The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Englehart, racing's regular guy. Welcome, everyone. John Englehart here. Hope everyone had a fantastic Christmas with their friends and family. And coming up this weekend, hope everybody has a very careful New Year's. Uh, we're going to have a wonderful show today. Uh, two outstanding uh, national luminaries will be joining us. Uh, Ray Pollock of the Pollock Report will be our first guest. Uh, Ray, of course, has been in the industry through uh, so many different outlets, and, and now he publishes the Pollock Report on a daily basis. And then uh, our, our first returned guest here, uh, Jay Privman from the Daily Racing Forum. Uh, things are kicking off great at Santa Anita, and nobody's more on top of the stories out there than the award-winning writer uh, Jay Privman. Now, speaking of award-winning writers, a uh, good idea, if you want to be one, is to get booked on winningponies.com. <laughs> uh, I'm glad to say that uh, two recent guests that we've had on the show uh, yesterday it was announced that they received Eclipse Awards, the highest award you can get in racing, uh, for their writing. Uh, as you may recall, last week uh, our guest was uh, Claire Novak, uh, fresh from her uh, trip back from Panama. Well, uh, the, the 25-year-old uh, Illinois uh, native who now resides in Lexington uh, won in the feature commentary category for a story she wrote called Pressure Off Durkin at the Belmont. Uh, she was gutsy enough uh, just before this year's Belmont Stakes to, to meet with, with Tom and write about a very sensitive um, issue in his life, uh, the profile uh, of his caller and his reflections weeks after his decision to step down as the NBC Sports voice of the Triple Crown. Uh, in this piece, Durkin revealed his anxieties and nerve-wracking preparations uh, to leave the network position, but uh, she also portrayed a man more at peace uh, with his new circumstances. Um, in Claire's words, she said, uh, Tom Durkin's one of the most recognized and respected figures in our industry. Everybody knows his name, but did people really know what he was going through calling these major network races? And uh, she wanted to convey this emotional part of his career and, and his reaction, and she did. And, of course, if you go to uh, any one of the major websites, you'll be able uh, to, to, to pull down uh, this story written by Claire. Again, pressure off Durkin at the Belmont. Now, another name... Uh, that you'll recognize because uh, she was pulling down her third Eclipse Award was none other than Jenny Reese. Jenny was on with us. As a matter of fact, she shared her office with me on uh, Breeders' Cup uh, weekend, and we did an interview from there. Of course, uh, she writes for the Louisville, Louisville Courier-Journal and has since 1983. It's her third Eclipse, and uh, she wrote a story 
called Breeders' Cup 2011, Jackie's Reign in Their Emotions, uh, which was in the uh, Courier-Journal. In this article, Jenny examined the circumstances and aftermath of that altercation between Calvin Burrell and Xavier Castellano, which uh, ensued in the winner's circle following the the Breeders' Cup Marathon uh, a, a year ago. And she explored the reasons how these situations are, are normally resolved. It's a very uh, a gut-wrenching article. Um, in Jenny's own words, she said, you know, that we're always looking for stories that will be of interest to the general audience during the showcase weeks at racing coverage, such as the Breeders' Cup. And having covered Burrell for years and also Castellano, the explosion of emotions from these two gentlemen after the Breeders' Cup was jolting. Uh, Jenny really got a lot of honest answers out of these guys. And if you go to her story on the LouisvilleCourier.com, you'll be able to actually see a video where she sits down with some of the top jockeys in the sport, and they discuss it. I remember one time I was with a member of the Cincinnati Bengals uh, in the paddock at River Downs, and he was watching the jockeys dismount and after a tough race and walk back, and they all walk back into the same door, and he said, oh, my God, he said, I can't imagine us and the Pittsburgh Steelers sharing a locker room <laughs> at halftime of one of our games. And it is amazing how, how these guys are able to, to, to rein in their emotions. And Jenny, of course, uh, did a great job of telling the story. And you can see the roundtable interview uh, if you go to their website. Uh, Jenny, she won her first Eclipse Award in 88. She profiled uh, D. Wayne uh, Lucas. And her uh, second uh, was for an Eclipse Award on horse injuries. Um, also, uh, while giving out writing uh, honorable mentions, uh, Joe Drape for A Day in the Life of Todd Pletcher and Bob Ehalt for his two-part series in the Thoroughbred Times called the 1971 Triple Crown. Okay, another guest, one of the early ones we had this summer, is none other than Andy Serling, a guest on winningponies.com. And uh, his Twitter account has been named the best in the game by the Thoroughbred Times in their best of 2011 year-end awards. And these awards are decided entirely by readers through an online survey of the publication's uh, website. Of course, uh, the Naira Best Racetrack to Bet, duh, Saratoga. Uh, but congratulations to Andy. He was, he was a great interview when he came on with us on Winning Ponies. And... Uh, He's uh, been co-hosting since Harvey Pack left uh, most of Naira's television programming. Uh, he's really active on Twitter, though, uh, something that I just don't think I got the time to do. Um, since uh, July of 2009, and he goes out every day, gives his selections for Aqueduct, Belmont, Saratoga. Congratulations to Andy. Um, in... Uh, Winning weeks, we had uh, Frank Anks was our handicapper here two weeks ago. And our first handicapper, uh, since I took over the reins from Ed Meyer, uh, was Tom Law. Well, a tip of the cap to them. The Thoroughbred Times website won the Media Eclipse Awards for Breeders' Cup coverage. And uh, congratulations to those guys. They do an outstanding job. Uh, they utilize this daily on-the-scene uh, videos on their website uh, containing interviews with the major trainers, owners, jockeys, all the people participating in the Breeders' Cup on the backstretch, and they actually followed it up. Uh, so congratulations uh, to the boys at the Thoroughbred Times. Uh, HRTV, they won the uh, Features Media Clips for a story they did on Randy Romero that was just sensational. Uh, they, uh, they won it in uh, television features programming. Uh, it's called Inside Information, Randy Romero. This is the second uh, 
consecutive Media Eclipse Award won by HRTV for programs that were written and produced by the network. Uh, last year, you may recall, it was for the inside information swale about the 1984 Kentucky Derby and Belmont Stakes winner. I'm sure this award's going to help my close friend Marie Perdue. Uh, she's an account exec with HRTV. Uh, this will give her a little edge uh, selling some airtime. Uh, if you've ever met Marie, Marie Perdue, you'll know that she's, uh, she's soaked in Alabama, but she's got a shot of Lexington, Kentucky in her for sure. Um, uh, today, our second guest on, on Winning Ponies is, is going to be Jay Privman, as I stated earlier, and he's going to tell us all about uh, Santa Anita's biggest opening in years. Uh, track handle was up 10%. Uh, all sources handle was up 9%. And total attendance, if you include the ITW sites, 54,000. This is good for racing. Also good for racing is Ramon Dominguez and Malin Studert. They'll be among the Metro New York athletes participating in the Muscular Dystrophy Association's 2012 Muscle Team for the 15th Annual Muscle Team Gala and Benefit Auction uh, Tuesday, January 3rd. Of course, uh, Dominguez, the 2010 Eclipse Award winner, is the nation's outstanding jockey. Uh, he'll be participating on the muscle team for the second time. While Studert, she's making her fourth appearance. Uh, they'll be uh, in there uh, competing with uh, members of the New York Giants, the New York Jets, and the Knicks, uh, and uh, really a heart-tugging uh, atmosphere. Each member of the 2012 muscle team is paired with their MDA buddy, a child from the metro New York area who's affected by a neuromuscular disease. Looks like we got a derby winner back on track. Um, Team Valor's classic winner, Animal Kingdom, breezed for the first time since he was injured during the Belmont Stakes in June. Uh, The 2011 Kentucky Derby winner uh, breezed an easy three furlongs and 38 at Fairhill Training Center. And... uh, it looks like he's going to be back, but he's got his sights set on some big things. His connections are considering a race at Gulfstream Park or Maydan Racecourse in Dubai in February or early March for his comeback. Uh, that race would serve as a stepping stone to the $10 million Emirates Airline Dubai World Cup on March 31st. Uh, of course, uh, you may recall after winning the Derby and finishing a really strong second in the Preakness Stakes, uh, he was injured and in what was many consider a roughly run edition of the Belmont Stakes, but uh, he subsequently underwent surgery for a non-displaced hairline fracture to his left hind leg, and we look forward to him coming back. Also looking forward on the comeback trail, boys at Toscanova. That may ring a few bells. He was second to Uncle Mo in the 2010 Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Uh, he made his comeback, uh, his second consecutive start of three other than down at Gulfstream, and uh, they hope that he will be the horse uh, that he was in the past. Uh, running second to Uncle Mo is certainly uh, no disgrace. Uh, another horse uh, that uh, a lot of people have, have been following was Lentinor, a full brother to the 2006 Kentucky Derby winner Barbaro. Uh, he won last Friday in a uh, optional allowance uh, down at Tampa Bay Downs. Uh, you may recall he finished fourth in the Florida Derby, but basically he's really turned into a, uh, a grass horse, and it's pretty much that's where it looks like they're going to keep him. Uh, horse that might be on the shelf for a little while, very impressive, probably an Eclipse Award winner, my Miss Aurelia. Uh, she 
We'll take a little break here. Rather than immediately ship to California to be with uh, trainer Steve Asmussen, she was sent to the Vinery in Ocala for a period of rest. Uh, her injury, not serious, didn't require surgery, but depending on how quickly she returns to training, the daughter, Smart Strike, may make it back in time for the Kentucky Oaks, but may not. They're not going to push her. Again, uh, undefeated two-year-old, most probably the champion, very impressive in the Breeders' Cup. And here's a horse you talk about claiming horses. Here's a horse that they may have to shake for. His name, Rapid Redo. That's right. Uh, it might be a three-way shake between Canner and South Carolina, my friends at Old Friends, and the Kentucky Horse Park. They've all shown interest in Rapid Redo as he will be retired. But it does look like, even though they couldn't find a race for him, they really thought that they, they would at uh, either Penn National or Charlestown, but no races uh, were written or fit in the book for him. Uh, but it looks like he's probably going to race early in 2012 at Laurel Park, where he scored his 19th victory in 2011, and then he'll be retired. So, uh, again, uh, rapid redo looking for a home. I don't think that that is going to be a problem. All right, last week uh, it was uh, thin pickings on the racing scene as everybody was getting ready for Christmas, but Ed Meyer and I uh, tried to hit the pick three down at Gulfstream Park. In the first race, we had the exact of the sixth at Gulfstream, I took the class horse, Holiday for Kitten, coming out of the Breeders' Cup turf sprint and got the job done, took the rail and edged away by a length and three-quarter over Ed's horse, the only closer in the field, indulgence. Eh, 1580 exacted, that wasn't bad. We moved on to some uh, lightly raced or first-time starter two-year-olds. This is the time of year they only got one more chance to get the post. And, and I like the Todd Fletcher's horse, Thunder Moccasin, and... Uh, this horse, with Johnny Velasquez in the saddle, got the job done by two and a half lengths. Uh, it's a son of AP Warrior, again, trained by Todd Pletcher, could be very dangerous. Second was Ender Knievel in this race. Third was uh, my long shot play, Panthro. So that was the two-year-old, so we so far we're doing good in the pick three, but then we got slaughtered. Anna the Dance was the pick in the Ginger Brew, a very rough trip, uh, was steadied, uh, clipped heels, went from 10th all the way to 3rd, but could not get the job done. The winner, Frolic's Revenge, a 2-year-old filly by Vindication, 16-1. to Now, she came out of the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies also. She was ninth. The trouble line was uh, very wide throughout. Uh, got up by a neck at 16-1 to over Ready Signal at 25-1. to Hope you had that one. Uh, that was uh, half a length ahead of Ann at the Dance. So uh, a big payout, and if not for some trouble, steady clipping heels, we would have got the pick three for you. Well, listen, later in the show, we're going to let Jay Privman tell you about the factor who just blew away the Malibu uh, field in front of, of course, 44,000 on opening day. And uh, then we'll probably also comment on uh, Mr. Commons, a three-year-old who shows a lot of promise, Faced a lot of older horses this year and had some tough runs. So hold on and get tied on because coming up is going to be the one, the only, Mr. Ray Pollock, the man who heads up the Pollock Report. Stay tuned. We'll be right back on winningponies.com. internet flagship station for sports 
America Sports. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. What does building a family mean to you? Nobody has experienced the pain and joy of family life in a way that Freddie Scott has. And his experiences in life, in sports, and business can help you create a successful family future. We'll cover many aspects of family building and management with a focus on fatherhood. Men and women want their families to succeed during these tough times. Our show will give you hope for the future and practical tools for a successful family. Tune in to the Freddie Scott Show, tackling the game of life, Mondays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Sports. The revolution has begun with Jim and Trav. Listen this week as Randall Eden, Shannon Young, Josh Fleming, and Joe Hosmer tell us why it's important to get our kids in the outdoors. Plus, Cat Daddy will have some catfishy tips, and Nick Rhodes has a new twist on wildlife management you'll want to hear. This is sponsored by Ram Trucks at RamTrucks.com. Wednesdays at 1 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. I'm Jim Ferguson. I'll see you on the trail. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and back here at Winning Ponies with me is a guy I've been wanting to call all year long to get on the show, and I finally got him. I guess I got him a little lull here between uh, Christmas and, and New Year's. Uh, his, his name is, is Ray Pollock, and he's been uh, associated with uh, many of the, the top publications that you read on a regular basis, the Daily Racing Forum, the Thoroughbred Times. Uh, when the Racing Times came out, he was the Midwest editor. He's been the director of, of the Blood Horse. Uh, of course, he's, he's an award winner on, on several levels. He's also done some international uh, writing. He, he authored the book uh, Sunday Silence, which was translated into Japanese for good reason. They love that horse over there. Uh, so without further ado, I bring to you Ray Pollock. Ray, how are you doing? I'm doing good, John. Good to talk to you. You, you said you've been wanting to give me all year. You only have a couple days left, so I'm glad we're doing it. Well, I have, you know, sometimes you save the best for last, right? If you would, since this is your first time on the show, and certainly I hope not the last, uh, would, would you tell our listeners a little bit about who Ray Pollock is, how he got into the sport, and why he loves the game? Well, uh you know, I didn't grow up in the business at all. I grew up uh, in the middle of a bunch of cornfields in northern Illinois, and but I, I always was interested in journalism. Um, and after college, I, I worked at the Chicago Sun-Times Daily News. Uh, you know, it was a combination of two papers, and one of the things they had was the, the, they syndicated 
they syndicated newspaper columns around the country, and they did the cartoons and you know all kinds of stuff. It's it's kind of a lost business uh, these days. Not not just newspapers, but syndicated columnists and that sort of thing. And one of the syndicated columnists that I, I had the opportunity to work with when I was there in Chicago was Jimmy the Greek, uh, you know, the odds maker at CBS, uh, the NFL Today guy on CBS. Uh, and, uh, you know, he had a he had a very popular three times a week newspaper column that focused on whatever whatever was going on, football, baseball, basketball. And in the spring, winter and spring, he, he really kind of t- took... Uh, it took a lot of time covering horse racing because uh, he spent he spent winters down in Florida most of the time, and uh, Jimmy couldn't write, so he always had ghost writers. You know, it just it was just the way that that business worked, and and uh, <laughs> a lot of his ghost writers were not the most dependable people, and and you know he ended up firing this one or that one, and and uh, finally he you know he said to me hey he said hey kid can you write and i said yeah i, I can write you know so i i i became his ghostwriter for a little while but one of the things that i you know i knew sports and you know, i was grew up as a you know chicago fan unfortunately i don't i don't know much about winning world series uh since i'm a cubs fan but uh so the the one kind of hole in my resume in sports was horse racing and you know i just told him i said i got to tell you i don't know the first thing about horse racing and he said well just just you know, just just fake it, and you know, go to the track a few times, and you know, buy the form and talk to people, and that's basically what I did. I, I, uh, I started going to to these illegal. They were actually bookie shops in downtown Chicago, and <laughs> hanging out there, uh, buying the racing form all the time. And I'd go to to uh, uh, the Chicago tracks, whether it was Hawthorne or Sportsman's or Arlington, and. Um, I really got to like horse racing. You know, it was something that I, you know, only as a kid, I remember watching the Kentucky Derby on TV a couple times. But, uh, so because of Jimmy the Greek, I, you know, I became a big fan of racing. I started buying books. You know, I, I think the first handicapping book I read was Thomas, Tom Ainsley's, uh, was it a complete guide to thoroughbred racing? Absolutely. One of the first uh, I ever read. Yeah. And, and, you know, I read Davidowitz and, uh, you know, when Andy Byer wrote, uh, uh, Picking Winners, uh, you know, that became my favorite book on racing. And, uh, the, the company I worked for at the Chicago Sun-Times, as, as it happened, moved out to Southern California in the spring of 1979 after the worst winter in Chicago history. Uh, we had something like 84 inches of snow and we had, you know, 30 days in a row below zero. I mean, it was just the, the worst weather you could imagine. And they said to me, would you like to you know move out to Southern California and and you know I just kind of looked at him and I said well, do I look like an idiot Duh. so uh, I moved out there and and uh, you know I, I remember to this day my first my first visit to Santa Anita you know after going to Hawthorne in the winter time and stuff and sports oh, and, <laughs> you, you go to Santa Anita we there were a few of us that went and we parked in the the the, the parking lot on the far side of the track past the you know, uh, on the other side of the backstretch, uh, there's an infield parking lot, and we go through a tunnel and emerge in the tu- you know out of the tunnel into the infield, and it was a glorious sunny day. And uh, you know, b- back then, believe it or not, Santa Anita averaged about thirty thousand people per day, five days a week. And you know, I think it was a weekday, but you know, there were probably twenty thousand, twenty-five thousand people there. And I just said, this is it. You know, this is the greatest thing. And uh, it was it was uh, 1979. It was the firm's uh, four-year-old year. Yeah, he was out. Was when Stevie Cawthon, and I was a huge Stevie Cawthon fan. 
it was it was when he went through a 105 race losing streak. I remember and, it well and still can't believe it. And and, and, and you know I I didn't bet every one of those 105 losers, but I bet more than a few of them. <laughs> uh, but so so I moved out there and and um, I continued to work for the Greek. He was still he was still with us and and um, but I, I said you know I kind of wanted to get into racing full time. So I was sitting around one day reading the racing form during the Pomona County Fair and. They had an opening, and uh, you know, I applied for it, and 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 got my foot in the door at the racing forum, and and got you know a little bit of a promotion. I spent eight years there handicapping, editing, um, you know, really really learning that part of the game, and also kind of you know, I, for some reason, I I really like to study up on the people in the business and uh, who the owners were and the breeders. Uh, and I had some chances to do a little bit of freelancing for the thoroughbred record, and and then in the, I can't remember exactly what year, I think it was 85, Mark Simon from Thoroughbred Times uh, called me up and asked me if I wanted to, to come visit and, you know, consider a job working for them. Uh, and, you know, I came, I liked it, uh, I was ready to get out of L.A., it was, you know, I'm, I grew up in a small town and I liked it out there, but I was ready to leave. And so uh, the first time we met didn't work out, but I moved here in 88, and Worked for the Thurber Times for three years. Went to work for Steve Chris Startup, the Racing Times for a year. Uh, when that folded, uh, I had a great opportunity to go to the Blood Horse and, and spend 15 wonderful years there. And uh, in 2008, I started the Pollock Report, which uh, you know I've had. You know, it's it's been uh, beyond my wildest expectations as far as the reception we've gotten and and. Um, you know, I just kind of thought it'd be kind of a, a fun thing to play around with, but it's actually uh, turned into a business, and you know, we've got three three full time, two part time employees. We're we're growing, and uh, you know, we we plan to keep growing and having fun covering racing with a slightly different angle. Well, uh, and that's what I want to want to share with people. It's I, I every morning I, I I get a message from you. I wake up, get a cup of coffee, and there's the Pollock report, and uh, I'll just. Uh, you know, it seems like you do a great job as far as the process of assembling the stories that you select. It's not like I've got to go through 100 stories and find one I like. You seem to find a little something uh, that, that has flavor, that has excitement, uh, that may cover something European, uh, that may be about a person, that may be about a famous racehorse, uh, that may be about something controversial. Uh, it, it, it's kind of an, uh, a, a jambalaya of news reports, but it's not lengthy. I mean, you can get through it in about, uh, you know, 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. We, we, uh, yeah, in the beginning, uh, Brad Cummings, who was my partner on this, uh, we did all of the, you know, all of the aggregating and going through feeds and you know combing through stuff from all around the world. Right now, Scott Jagow, who lives actually lives up in Cincinnati, uh, a graduate of the University of Louisville uh, Equine Business Program, is handling a lot of our a lot of our uh, uh, editing duties and putting putting the site together on a daily basis letting me spend a little more time writing and, and letting Brad work on the business side of things. So uh, we've got a great, I, I really have to uh, you know, give a shout-out to the guys that, that help. And Mary Forney, who's our fourth member, is out in California. She, she handles weekend duty. So we're, we're kind of spread out. Brad's in Louisville. I'm in Lexington. Scott is in Cincinnati, and Mary's in California. So um, you know, the, 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 the great thing about the web is, you know, you don't need to be in the same place. You don't, yeah. need to you don't show up for work every day at the same door. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Well, Ray, uh, 
Yeah, I've got uh, a couple of minutes till our break, but you know, you're kind of, uh, from what I've seen, a rather altruistic person, and uh, you, you've c- come up with the Breeders' Cup or bust. Would you share with our listeners kind of uh, the evolution of that and uh, how it came about and where it's going? Well, it came about in 2009. Brad Cummings and I were sitting around. Uh, we had we had just you know kind of gone through a couple bad experiences with Renee Douglas and and uh, Michael Strait getting hurt, right? Uh, getting paralyzed in races at Arlington Park, and we we just you know we felt you know we wanted to do something to raise some awareness for that. And then we started talking about the, going to the Breeders' Cup out in California, and we just kind of said, well, why don't we turn this into a fundraiser? And what we did is we drove from. Lexington to Los Angeles, stopping at racetracks. It started at Keeneland, went to Hawthorne, uh, went to Remington Park, um, uh, Zia Park. Um, gosh, a couple other tracks. Not exactly a straight line. No, it wasn't a straight line <laughs> at all. But we had we had a blast. Each track did something a little bit different uh, as far as the promotion, and we ended up raising, I, I think, in the vicinity of. Of sixty-five to seventy thousand dollars for the permanently disabled jockeys fund. That's great. Uh, and um, uh, you know the the and it was we kind of did it on our own. And the, the second year, the Breeders' Cup said, "Hey, we we want to we want this to be you know for Breeders' Cup charities." So we included the V Foundation for Cancer Research, which is a favorite charity of ESPN, which broadcasts the Breeders' Cup, uh, and then we we put Thurber Charities into there as well. Uh, so in, in 2010, Brad and I walked from Lexington to Louisville. It took us about nine days. It's about 80 miles, and and uh, raised money for that. And I think we hit about 75 or 80 thousand. And then this year, you know, we, we learned our lesson. Uh, you know, thinking, you know, how dumb is it for two guys to walk 80 miles? Let's get a relay team. So in one day, we had a had a baton, a horseshoe carried from Keeneland to Churchill Downs. Thomas Gaines, who's the the son of Breeders' Cup founder John Gaines, uh-huh. kicked it off. And the the last leg was run by Pat Day into into Churchill Downs. I was and, there. Uh, it was great. Yeah, it was it was uh, it, you know it was Brad did such a great job organizing it. Everybody, you know, we had so many so much help and, and so many volunteers and runners and uh, you know so it's you know in three years we raised about two hundred two hundred twenty five two hundred thirty thousand dollars and um, yeah it just it's it feels good to get to be able to give back to the industry. Well, you've done a great job about it. I mean, uh, everything about you, Ray, gives off a, a real a positive vibe. I, I believe that uh, on Fridays you kind of have a feel-good uh, uh, feature on the Pollock Report. Yeah, we call it Good News Friday. It, 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 uh, it came about because of a guy, a friend of mine, Rob Whiteley, who runs Liberation Farm. And I, I don't, you know, I, I really don't even remember how it got started, but I know our first week was on Good Friday. Uh, and and uh, you know it's I think we're going on almost three years now. It'll be three years in uh, whenever Good Friday is this spring that you know we featured different charities, different people that are doing good things. And uh, you know it, it, for me, it's kind of a personal therapy when I write the piece. Uh, you know, there's so much bad news in, not only in the world but in the horse industry. Uh, it, it, it's really great to sort of uncover little nuggets of. Of uh, of of good news and people doing good things. So um, Three Chimneys is our sponsor of that every week. They they donate a hundred dollars to whatever charity uh, we write about or whatever charity the subject uh, chooses as a as a recipient. So there's there's a little bit of charity work in that too that our sponsor uh, Three Chimneys uh, takes care of. And you know it's just like I said, it's personal therapy. It just you know it feels good. It's, I love I love good news, whether it's in racing or anywhere else, 
because we're so immersed in in bad news and and uh, so I you know it's it's something that kind of gets me gets me uh, gets me fired up for the weekend and and uh, it's something I always look forward to. Well, it, all I can say is it makes my day. And for our listeners out there, again, it costs nothing to subscribe. It's called the Pollock Report. So after uh, uh, you finish listening to uh, to this show tonight, if you if you're not on Ray's list, dial in, get on the list. Trust me, you you will enjoy it. it it's refreshing. Um, and uh, it, it brings you a lot of quick news uh, and about what's going on in racing that day. And uh, Ray Pollock, uh, thanks so much for spending time with us uh, on WinningPonies.com. Uh, I love your glass half full attitude. Okay, thanks, John. Great to talk to you, and happy New Year to you and all your listeners. Okay, that was Ray Pollock from the Pollock Report. We're going to take a quick little break here and be back with one of my favorite people in racing, the one, the only Jay Privman. <laughs> Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. What does building a family mean to you? Nobody has experienced the pain and joy of family life in a way that Freddie Scott has. And his experiences in life, in sports, and business can help you create a successful family future. We'll cover many aspects of family building and management with a focus on fatherhood. Men and women want their families to succeed during these tough times. Our show will give you hope for the future and practical tools for a successful family. Tune in to the Freddie Scott Show, tackling the game of life, Mondays at Noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Sports. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports... Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, welcome back. That was great talking to Ray Pollock, and you're going to enjoy this next segment. Uh, we're going to talk uh, about racing. We're going to talk about what's going on out on the West Coast. Do some handicapping with with Jay Privman, of course. Uh, it, Jay, uh, he's our first repeat handicapper here on the show, and I was so uh, blessed when he said that he'd be happy to be on the show again. As you know, he covers the, the Triple Crown events, all the major races, uh, Southern California may be his forte, but you'll see him all over the country. Uh, he, uh, he, he writes for, for the Daily Racing Forum, and I can't believe that anybody has won the Red Smith Award six times. It's the award for the best story on the Kentucky Derby, uh, but this gentleman has. He's also won the uh, Walter Haight Award and has taken on the responsibility of uh, being the president of uh, uh, the National uh, Turf Writers uh, from uh, 2000 through 2001. With me right now, 
Jay Privman. Jay, I understand that the kickoff at Santa Anita went out of the end zone. Hey, John, good evening. Yeah, it was, it was great. Um, it was uh, like the days of old, a crowd of more than 40,000. It was just sort of a kind of a perfect storm in terms of the way things set up. Monday was a holiday where everybody was off from work, or most people anyway were off from work. Kids are out of school now, so it was a good day for families to come out. The weather was perfect. It was a really good race card. And Santa Anita is a beautiful place to go, so it just all added up to a blockbuster day. It was, it was really fun. I've only been blessed to be there once, being kind of an East Coast guy, and it was unbelievable. I felt like I was uh, sitting in the grandstand looking out at a postcard. It was so gorgeous. Um, I'll say one thing. On winningponies.com, we've been looking at uh, several uh, two-year-old races over these last couple of races, and uh, last couple of weeks, I should say, and... I've been really impressed with some of the two-year-olds I've been seeing winning races on the West Coast. Makes for kind of an exciting uh, derby prospect for the upcoming year. Yeah, I mean, the, the horse who's kind of emerged as the most recent leader of the pack is probably Liaison, who won the Cash Call Futurity a week and a half ago, and that was on the heels of a win in the Real Quiet Stakes. He's only run four times, and he's he's won three of them, so there's probably still some upside to him as well, but... As you know, as this meet goes on at Santa Anita, we're going to see lots of horses who have maybe been off since the Breeders' Cup, like uh, like Creative Cause, come back to the races. And Steve Asmussen has brought a number of horses to California for the winter who were maiden winners during the meet at uh, at Churchill Downs, uh, such as Hierro, uh, for instance, who's supposed to run in the Sham Stakes in about a week and a half. So that's just a taste of what's going to go on out here, but I think it'll be a pretty strong winter for the three-year-old racing. Yeah, you know... Uh, as, as much as last year, it was uh, just hard to believe that no three-year-old repeated in a grade one race. I mean, you want to talk about parity. We certainly had it. I'm just wondering if this is the year where maybe one of those horses, whether it be uh, uh, Union Rags, a Hanson, a Liaison, is going to pop up and be one to say, uh-oh, we got a superstar on the rising. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you just never know. I mean, certainly Union Rags, until he got beat a nose in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, I mean, if he'd have won that race instead of losing it by a nose, we'd all be talking about him like the next superstar. But he didn't get up that day. Hanson beat him. Uh, and so Union Rags has one loss, and Hanson is undefeated. And they both go into the winner as top contenders for the Kentucky Derby. Um, you know, but each year leading up to the Derby is different, John. I mean, last year, you're right, we, we had a whole bunch of different horses winning the preps leading up to it, and we ended up having a long-shot winner of the Derby in Animal Kingdom. But, you know, by the end of the year, excuse me, you had a horse who hadn't even run in the Triple Crown in Caleb's Posse, who won two grade ones and was the only uh, three-year-old male to win a couple of grade one races during the course of the year. So it, it's, you just don't know, and I, it, it always bemuses me who pe- when people start making their list of Derby contenders this far out, or especially when they say, who's your Derby horse? In January, there's no other race where anybody in their right mind would commit to a horse four months before its run. And and why people seem as though they want to do that with the Derby has always eluded me. Uh, I prefer to like let the preps go on and see what the post position draw is and see how horses are training, just like you would ha- handicap the first race at Turfway tonight. Well. You've got to be excited this year as well as I am as far as so many of the good horses they are going to remain in training in 2012. You mentioned Animal Kingdom. We have potentially the horse of the year, 
Harv DeGrasse coming back. I mean, this is going to be a pretty fun handicap season to watch. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, hopefully those horses will will all go on and, and do big things. You mentioned Harv DeGrasse. It looks like you know she's obviously going to come back. Game on, dude, who finished second in the Breeders' Cup Classic is is obviously going to stay in training. Uh, and I think he'll probably be the early favorite for the Santa Anita Derby, or excuse me, the Santa Anita Handicap. Uh, and then you've got a horse like the Factor, who won the Malibu Stakes opening day, and uh, he's obviously going to stay in training among those good three-year-olds uh, that are now turning four. So it, it, it certainly bodes well for hopefully a, a real strong year. Um, also, another horse that, that kind of, in my opinion, on the West Coast, bloomed late and took on older rivals and, and seems to be coming into his own is Mr. Commons. You've seen him race. What's your opinion on I him? love that horse. I mean, he, to me, is is the early favorite right now for the Breeders' Cup mile. Uh, I have just always thought a lot of this horse. I mean, back last summer on opening day at Del Mar when he won the a division of the, or he won the Oceanside Stakes and his jockey, Mike Smith, was comparing him to Lore. Uh, and when you consider wow. all the horses that Mike Smith has ridden, Plus the fact that John Sheriffs trains this horse, uh, that indicated to me right then that uh, this is a horse to keep an eye on. Let's see how he progresses. And I thought he ran some very strong races in the fall against older horses, and he came up back on opening day in the Sir Beaufort with a terrific race, and uh, he's only going to get better. Yeah, I really, I did watch his development, and, and I was impressed. Uh, uh, late in the season, so it, it's going to be interesting. Like you said, he's he's in great hands. It, it, I'm really looking forward to this upcoming season. Well, listen, let's do a little bit of handicapping, and then we'll come back and kind of want to maybe uh, get Jay Privman's uh, year in review and maybe your crystal ball for for 2012 if, if there is such a thing. Uh, the big uh, grade one this week is going to be the La Brea. It's a $300,000 race. Going seven furlongs of uh, distance I really like. Uh, I, I think some horses are just built for it. And uh, the, the way I'm looking at, at this field is it's, it's pretty much a turbulent descent uh, race to lose. I mean, uh, she's won uh, six races in her life. Three of those were, were grade ones. And i got to think that the uh, Breeders' Cup Philly Mare Sprint had an excuse, was roughed up at the start. You can throw that one out. Well, she had a, she really had a rough trip in that race. It's too bad because I would have liked to have seen her get a fair chance in there because losing that race uh, it, it undoubtedly is going to cost her Philly Sprinter of the Year. Uh, and if and I just don't think she got a fair run. Now I'm not saying she would have won the race, but I know she didn't get her best chance in there. And I think on her best day, she's ranks right up there with the best in that division. Uh, she drew post two in a nine-horse field in the La Brea, so she'll need to extract herself from down there. But I think you're right, John, on her best day, Turbulent Descent is the best horse in that race, and hopefully uh, we'll see that on Saturday. Now, Jay, should she win this race on Saturday? You haven't put your ballots in yet for no. <clears throat> divisional champions. Uh, could this launch her to the top? I don't know that it could because you know she didn't beat older horses, and that's a little bit of a... A strike against her. I would have liked to have seen her have a few more chances against older. I mean, even if she wins this, all of her wins will have been against her own division, three-year-olds only. Uh, the only time she stepped outside the division was when she ran in the Breeders' Cup, and I would have liked to have seen her get a, another chance or two against older. So I would probably still lean to you know a horse like Hilda's Passion or Musical Romance or Sassy Image, who were the better of the of the older horses. I, I but I do think. She, turbulent descent belongs in the conversation, and I couldn't argue with anybody who would vote for her if they think she's the best and she didn't really get a fair run in, in, in the Breeders' Cup. 
Um, just looking at this race for our, our winning ponies listeners that are <clears throat> maybe trying to cash a bet, uh, do you throw out the last race of uh, Sweet Home Aspen, uh, or maybe do, do you put the stalker uh, great hot underneath it and throw that uh, that Breeders' Cup race out too? Can you can you throw out their last race and consider those two uh, contenders to finish underneath? Yeah, I don't know why Home Sweet Aspen ran so poorly on the grass last time, but I mean, I, I really had thought leading up to that that she was going to be uh, one of the top contenders for the La Brea. You could just see the way she was developing and, and sort of plot things out going forward that by the end of the year she looked like she was going to be one of the ones. So, yeah, you, you've, you've got to sort of take a leap of faith that that last race is just not a true measure of her. And if, you, and if she does run back to her previous races, she absolutely is the, is the next best horse in my opinion. Love Santa Anita, three starts. Uh, two wins in a second. Uh, great hot. I was very impressed with that horse's uh, Raven Run. Of course, it was on the synthetic uh, at Keeneland. It just looked like a horse that was just really moving forward and then just dropped an anchor in the Breeders' Cup. Yeah, I think they were asking a lot for her in the Breeders' Cup. She was coming back on short rest. Uh, she's, uh, you know, it was a three-year-old against older. It was just a lot to ask at that time of the year. And I think she can run better in this spot, but but I think the other two that we've mentioned are better than her. Well, definitely uh, turbulent descent, the, the horse to beat in there. Let, let's let's wind it back one race. Maybe we can give some of our listeners a uh, a mid-daily uh, double here at Santa Anita. In the seventh race, it's the uh, 17th running of the Eddie Logan. Uh, this is for, for two-year-old Colts. I must say a lot of them are a cup below some of the, the two-year-olds we, we talked about a little while ago. Right, and, the, and this is on the grass, this race. Um, and you've got you know a horse like Daddy Knows Best coming out of the Breeders' Cup, and uh, but the horse that I and and Stony Fleece is coming back on real short rest, just having run the other day. If they decide to go on with him in here, but the horse that I've I've got my eye on here, John, is Smart Ellis, uh, whose win at uh, at Del Mar against Maidens was really eye catching, and then I just he was in a race at Keeneland the next time that was really kind of a wacky race where a horse went over the rail and it was just kind of a messed up race. <laughs> I, I do there. think that this horse back in, in, in this spot, having been trained into the race by Richard Mandela has a chance to run back to his best form. So I'd, I'd give him a, a, a strong look in here. I, I thought it was interesting that Joel Rosario took off stony fleece to ride uh, champion's gate. You think he knows something we don't know? Well, you know, you never know how some of these things come about. I mean, maybe it was presented to him as like you got to pick one or the other, or maybe he went with Champions Gate, and then after the fact, uh, Smart Ellis came into play for this race. So I'm not sure how that played out, or if he picked the horse knowing both were running, or if he had already committed to one, and, and then the ship had sailed, and he couldn't get on to Smart Ellis. But, you know, Champions Gate is certainly a, a horse with a chance in his own right in here, that's for sure, off his form. Yeah, absolutely. When I'm looking at uh, right, right here is morning line odds of eight to one. So, uh, folks, you just heard Jay Privman uh, giving us a, a nice price horse here. Well, I'll tell you what, I, um, well, let's just move on with the handicapping because I, I do want to uh, get into your crystal ball for 2012, and uh, we'll, we'll cover uh, the other coast right now. Uh, we'll go down to uh, to Gulfstream Park. It's going to be uh, the 11th race on Christmas Eve. If anybody's partying down at Gulfstream or in a local track or OTB, and uh, this race uh, brings to us an interesting group of horses. Of course, uh, Mr. Prospector, known for his speed, this is a six furlong race. It's a Grade Three. I guess the the big question mark in here, Jay, 
is is Captain Candyman. Is he the same horse? Uh, he's come back after layoffs pretty well. Uh, took the whole year, 2010, off, and he's been training well coming up to this. I guess it's kind of a head-scratcher for uh, Calvin Burrell and Ian Wilkes. I mean, I'd love to see this horse do well because, you know, I think Ian Wilkes is a, a top, top horseman, and I think they've done a really nice job with this horse over the years. But, you know, as you mentioned, John, I mean, he's kind of getting up there <laughs> in age, and it's it's hard for a horse like this to continue with the uh, you know, with his best form at this stage of the game. So, I mean, he might be the kind of horse that you want to try and beat, but, you know, he's, he's, he's done well over the years, and he's, you know, you always are, are really reluctant, I think, to, uh, you know, to take a stand against a horse like this because you know what, uh, what he's capable of doing. But, you know, this is a, a really good race for, uh, for good spinners down there, and, you know, they're off to a really nice start, I think, at, at Gulfstream so far. They've had really good business to, to kick off the meet, so... Uh, you know, I, I think this is going to be uh, a, a, an, an excellent, excellent race. Um, you know, I, I'm really interested in seeing, for instance, how uh, you know a priority bounces back after the uh, after the Breeders' Cup. I mean, Indiana is, a, is is just been a freak at, at Calder, and maybe he'll transfer his good form over to uh, to Gulfstream. But the horse that I kind of like in here is Zero Rate Policy for uh, for Terry Pompey. I take a little bit of a shot with uh, with this horse at six to one in here. Uh, yeah, he's, he's coming back uh, off, uh, you know, back-to-back wins, likes Gulfstream Park, two wins in a second from three starts, and, and you know that this is his distance. Uh, eight times he's gone to post and four times he's won it. The, the horse that caught my eye a little bit, and I think he'd get a price on, uh, might be Nathan's HQ. Uh, the reason is, uh, ever since they, they put blinkers on this horse, uh, he really had kind of a wake-up call. I also love, in the daily racing form, something they started years ago, and that's italicizing horses in the running line that come back and win their next race. And, and I noticed that that race where he ran second, the Newcastle, that both uh, uh, Poseidon's Warrior and Filled with Wonder came back and won their next start. And then he's got an excuse coming out of the fall highway-weighted aqueduct. I know it was a very small field. Uh, but he was forced wide, and he says that he finished with a good kick. Uh, at 6-1, to one, might be an interesting horse to throw in the exotics. Absolutely. Uh, let's move on uh, to, uh, hey, our first derby of the year, Jay. <laughs> gotta, it, it, it's got to be January 1, and somebody's going to run a derby, and that somebody <laughs> is Gulfstream. Very interesting in, in writing the racing book down there, uh, the Gulfstream Park Derby. I, I, I notice that this doesn't say the 17th running of to, to your mind, is this the first running of the Gulfstream Park Derby? Yeah, well, here's, here's the reason this is the first running of the Gulfstream Park Derby. As you know, uh, Gulfstream started their, its meet this year in early December. They used to start in, uh, in, in just after the New Year in early January. And this race basically is on the calendar where the old Tropical Park Derby used to be, uh, which was run usually right around New Year's uh, at Calder. And then maybe a few days later, Gulfstream would start. So this race has kind of taken the place of that, but it's a completely different race. It's on the main track, whereas the Tropical Park Derby was on the grass at, at Calder. This is on the dirt at Gulfstream. And it's at a mile and a 16th, which they're now able to run at Gulfstream because they've put in a, a second finish line in order to facilitate having this very popular distance. Well, I, uh, in, in looking at this race, uh, I'm... I'm kind of coming down to a couple of horses. I, I, I think Nick Zito's got a horse that looks like he's got a lot of upside to him. 
Uh, anytime you, you know you see a Bernardini that almost cost a half a million and Johnny V's up uh, one last time, easily at a mile. The horse's name is Casual Trick. Uh, like I said, the horse, the horse, not only won its last at Churchill, has been working. Uh, great coming up to this race. Uh, he's really caught my eye along with uh, two horses, King Kid and Ancient Rome. I'll be interested to know who, who Jay Privman likes. Well, I mean, all those horses that you mentioned can certainly. I mean, this it's a it's a really wide open race. You've got they're all lightly raced horses, uh, and and all of the horses that you mentioned, John, certainly have good chances to win. You know, I'd even throw a couple others in there, uh, Reveron. And Gold McGilla, to me, are, are horses who, based on their form, are certainly capable of winning in here. Uh, and, and a lot, I think, is going to depend on the trip. It's, it's, a, it's not a long run into the first turn. It's going to be a short porch run to the finish line, uh, going a mile and a 16th at, at Gulfstream. And, and I think trips are going, to, are going to mean a lot in here. And the horses that are drawn more to the outside uh, are, are going to be in trouble. I mean, to me, your honor and glory would have been a real viable contender, but I just hate where he's drawn. Uh, in post-11 at this distance. Uh, I, I just don't know that he can overcome that. But if he was drawn more to the inside, I, I would throw him in the mix. It, to me, this is the kind of race where if you're playing the pick four or something like that, you've just got to use as many as you can. I, 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 I do think it's a wide-open race. Absolutely. This would be one where you pay uh, your zip code or your home address or something like that, because I agree. You, you can make a case for well over half the field, because there's no really big big standout. There's no horses that are coming out of big stakes or anything. Uh, you know, we, Dick Dutro, of course, won the spectacular bid, but that was at six furlongs. Yes, it was at Gulfstream. You don't know if this horse is going to stretch out or not, so it, it'll, be, it'll be a real fun race to watch. Well, listen, Jay, we've got a couple minutes left. Um, just kind of... Uh, can I pick your brain sitting back and saying, 2011, what was that year? Uh, it was the year of the great disappointment. <laughs> I mean, I, I did a year-end piece, John, for the Racing Forum a couple weeks ago where uh just sort of wrote about all the things that people had high hopes for that just didn't quite follow through. I mean, the poster boy for that was, was Uncle Mo. Uh, he was a horse who came into the year as the unquestioned leader of the two-year-old turning three division, and then he lost the wood and got sick and missed the Kentucky Derby, and he came back and he ran two big races, and then he was awful in the Breeders' Cup Classic, and then he went to stud. I mean, it was as strange and, and, and up and down a year as I've seen from a horse. You know, even Hover de Grace, who, uh, who I think is the front-runner to be horse of the year, she came through with a nice win against the boys in the Woodward and came back and was just super uh, at Belmont Park in her next start. And it would have been nice to see her follow through with the win in the Breeders' Cup Classic, but you know that was won by a horse whose only other big win was in the Belmont Stakes a year and a half earlier in, in Drosselmeyer. So it was just a really strange year. Goldakova came over. It would have been a great story if she yeah. had won the Breeders' Cup mile. But you know, not only did she get beat, she was, I thought, extremely fortunate to to not Wasn't even be disqualified down. from third in that race. Uh, it, was just a, it was just a strange year. Very quick, let me ask you this question. Yes, sir. And if you don't want to answer it, that's okay. Um, do you think that the Goldacova incident had anything to do with the release of John Veach? Uh, to me, it was the cherry on the Sunday after several other potential uh, things. So it, it, it had to be considered, but you know, there were two other people in the booth that day uh, as well, who apparently agreed with with that call, or at least one other, maybe because it, it had to at least have been a two to one vote. So, um, I mean, it, 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 it to me, you could have added it to the list. 
Well, listen, I've got uh, about a minute and a half left here. Look into your crystal ball. What, what do you see that's going to be positive for racing, Jay? Um, New York's casino at Aqueduct is going to change the whole face of, of racing on the East Coast. The purses are going to be mammoth. Uh, I, I think it's really going to impact some of the tracks like Philadelphia Park, uh, or Parks, as they call it, and Delaware that had been the original beneficiaries of, of slot-infused purses. I mean, now New York is going to be King Kong. Uh, they're going to have purses that are going to dwarf everybody, and they're going to be able to write races for those kinds of divisions for where people rightly were running mid-price claiming horses at Delaware and, and Parks because the money was better, but it won't be anymore. So I think, I think New York racing is going to have a real renaissance. Well, that, that certainly uh, certainly would be great. And we were looking at the form today, me and a couple buddies going, holy cow, will you look at this? I mean, it happened pretty quick. Yeah, I mean, it, well, it's the first of the year. It's going to be, uh, I mean, it's, it's already started, but, I mean, here it is. Uh, the, putting, uh, the, 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 the projections of what they're going to glean from that casino at Aqueduct are just mind-boggling. Well, listen, th- thank you for, for your look into the crystal ball. Uh, thanks for uh, your review of the season, uh, painting the picture at Santa Anita, and, and hopefully uh, some of the listeners here on Winning Ponies will go home with a winner or two from some of the horses we, we touted them on between Santa Anita and Gulfstream. Jay Pribman, an honor and a pleasure to have you on the show. John, it's always good to be with you. Have a happy New Year. Okay, I will. Jay Pribman, ladies and gentlemen, you can read him in the Daily Racing Form. I hope you do. Uh, quality individual and a fantastic writer. Well, we're coming up on the close of the show. Again, uh, hats off to all the Eclipse Award winners uh, who were on Winning Ponies uh, this week. As a matter of fact, one of them will be on with us next week. Jenny Reese, who captured her third Eclipse Award, uh, will be part of winningponies.com. I want to thank all the great guests that were with us this year. They, they were some of the top people in racing that took their time to be with us and share their experiences and some of their handicapping. I want to thank uh, Izzy and James uh, Messery, uh, producer uh, Matt Widener. Uh, all I can say is thanks for tuning in. Remember, all the shows are podcast. If you missed any of them or you heard something you liked, call a friend, turn them on, tell them to come and listen to the show. So uh, from atop the grandstand overlooking the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky, I'm John Engelhart. Remember, bet with your head, not over it, and have a great, happy, and prosperous new year from all of us at Winning Ponies. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.